to do art, it, it, how is it anything but vanity is if you succeed? Like when, when Nirvana blew up and Cobain got to play in front of thousands of people a night instead of tens... And he hated it. Like he hated the rock star. He hated the the fame, the the fame and the celebrity. He hated all of it. But like, what? What did you expect? Like, did he just want to? Did he just want to keep playing small clubs his entire life and not make a good living on it? And not like if that's the case, okay. But then maybe after Nevermind blows up, and be like, you know what? We're killing our. I'm walking away from this without blowing your head off. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe send and listen to it. <laughs> So earlier this past week, uh, we were going back and forth as as you, Jarrett, and I, Jarrett Keene, mm-hmm. um, in Las Vegas, are want to do with our our our, our random roving uh, three way iMessage. And uh, at one point, we we're talking about books, and you said, "Well, I every well book- what happened is because I because okay. Nick Hornby's got a new book out, and Nick Hornby of about a boy." Um, high fidelity. Yeah. Uh, I like Nick Hornby, and I like one I of the things too. I really like about him is that he's he's easy to read. He's funny. He's he's got a lot of wit, but he's he's really into music, and like music is throughout all of his books. If they're it not weeps. straight up about music, um, so he's got this new book out called Dickens and Prince: A Particular Kind of Genius, and it's a let's see, it's a this is how it's described on Amazon. Uh, a short, warm, and entertaining book about art, creativity, and the unlikely similarities between Victorian novelist Charles Dickens and modern American rock star Prince. It's like, that sounds super interesting because, like, here are these two, like, whether you're into literature or rock and roll or not, like, you probably know who Charles Dickens is. You've probably at least heard of it. Or you know A Christmas Carol. You were forced to read Great Expectations in high school. Prince, like, how do you escape that? I mean, everybody, like, they're just, like, these are, like, two constant figures in art. But could they be more different? I mean, Victorian area Charles Dickens and the fucking man in purple. Like, but Nick Hornby, and I, I haven't read the book yet. All right, he's, yeah, I'm he's he's in, He's bringing them together, and that's just, that's, like, a super, it, just an interesting way for his brain to think. Like, these two guys are, let, let's see how they connect. Yeah, I would... So I, I sent that to you guys, and my, my text to you guys yeah, was like, That's only inter- a book interesting. that, Nick, that Nick, Nick Hornby could write primarily because uh, anybody else that wrote that, nobody would give a shit about that idea, but because yeah. Nick Hornby has has He's earned credit. it, He's yeah. He's yeah. earned it. He can write sort of a book that's sort of a, which sounds to me like sort of like a, like a toss-off is what it sounds like. It sounds like he went, hey, <laughs> uh, I haven't written a book in a while. Let me, oh, this is kind of a cool, maybe he was having like a conversation at a dinner party and he made the outrageous claim that Charles Dickens and Dickens and, and, and Prince were the, were the same. Or maybe and everybody looked at him like he was fucking nuts. And he went, oh, well, maybe I'll just write a book about that shit. And I'll show you. Of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, and of course he's going to get published. But anyway, or like he owed the publisher a book, and he's like, "I yeah. got fucking nothing. I don't know." I got like nothing. He, he was like, yeah. maybe he was reading, you know, Great Expectations, listening to Purple Rain, was like, you know, yeah. And there we go. I don't know. And it just kind of worked out. Yeah, sure. But then you made the comment in the in the in the conversation as we were talking about this. I think I made the comment that I was working on my own version called Kerouac and Van Halen. Yeah, Kerouac and Van but, Halen. And then Jarrett said yeah, something yeah. like something he like made a comment like that it's a vanity something or other. Yeah. Yeah. And and I said every book is a vanity project. And then he responded every book is an act of self-help. So Both here's very my true statements. For you. So here's my question: as someone who has written and published uh, several books, um, and uh, is a professional writer and has been a professional writer, and I I can say the same, not quite uh, the same pedigree as you have, but I've got you know lots of books published, that kind of stuff. So how is it? Why don't you have the same pedigree every as me? Book, we're at least the same pedigree. I would even maybe put you ahead of it. I mean, you've published more. You write yeah, okay. routinely still. I've taken this weird accidental, unintentional hiatus from writing, yeah, apparently. Know, but it, it all happens. I mean, thanks for the compliment, Whatever. but all right, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'm more impressed with your writing than I am mine, but that's just <laughs> how I think it's supposed to be. Anyway, so how is every book now, and, and when I, you know, when you deal with generalizations, you know you're gonna you're gonna fall in some fucking uh, rabbit holes, and and so know that. But every book is a vanity project or an act of self help. How and why? Give me give me some insight. I think it's vanity because, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's vanity because to sit down and write a book, to take on that Hercule- Herculean, 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 sure, I don't know. To take on a task that Hercules might take on. There you go. Well done. You're a writer. There you go. <laughs> Look at that. It's 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 a lot. And whether it's a a novel or a self-help book or a historical book, you know, a nonfiction um, recounting of World War II or a biography on Winston Churchill or Abraham Lincoln, whatever kind of book it is. What is the purpose of doing it? To sit down and put yourself through that kind of hell and dedication and grind. Well, because the people need to know the story. Because people need to be educated about the caste system in the United States or the where how World War World War II really played out for us and the Russians. And but but who are you to tell us that? Well, I'm the I'm the guy that did all the research and that wrote the book. Oh, so this is about you. Because you know, a, a lot of uh, professors have to write books. Like, that's part of their, like, their tenure. Part of their gig, yeah. Right? So they have to do it to stay alive and to keep being fed and to keep being paid. And they're doing it for themselves so they can sustain their life. And even my, like, my books, like, look, man, my first book came to me. Like, a publisher said, do you want to write a book about camp? And I was like, sure, but it's got to be my way. So I wrote my story yeah. You know, like, it was about everybody's camp, but, like, I, I was, I mean, it was as, as, um, as gonzo as you can get, but, like, I was in it. I mean, it's... Yeah, you're you know, the central character. Yeah. You're the central character of that particular book, yeah. I mean, the last DJ book is based on my you're, story. Um, yep. 
you know, do I think that there was an audience for it? Yeah. So that's why I, I wrote it. But it's also I wrote it because I want my stories to live on. And I think that's why we all do it to a degree. I mean, you can deny it all you want, but isn't it nice? Isn't yeah, finding one yeah. author that's written a, a book that doesn't enjoy seeing their book on a bookshelf, either in somebody's house or at a store or in well, Amazon I would, or... I would, go, I would go one step further and say that not every book is a vanity project or, 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 or an example or a, or, or a, uh, I'm trying like an icon, what's a, a relic of arrogance of personal mm-hmm. arrogance in its own way. Um, I would say every piece of writing, uh, every piece of writing, maybe aside from like a personal letter and email is likewise that kind of thing. Um, uh, cause one of the things it's, it's, I, I wonder once sometimes, cause I write tons of essays yeah. and I've, and I've kind of shifted a little bit. I, I haven't quite made the, the shift the way I, I, I thought I wanted to, but you'll I'm get writing there. It takes, ess- it takes time to turn yeah. an aircraft carrier. As yeah. the saying goes, yeah. I'm writing. Yeah. No shit. I'm writing essay more. I'm trying to write more essays, uh, broader essays, cultural essays, critique. Um, I like to watch that kind of stuff for literate ape. And then I started a sub stack so I can write about my personal shit, you know, here's my personal journey. Um, and that's been fun. But one of the things that's really interesting is I've asked, I've asked myself a couple times as I'm writing something, why, why would anybody care? Why would anybody yeah. give a shit, you know, about, you know, I wrote about, I wrote about, uh, the, the, you know, the job search, this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I thought, why would anybody give a shit what I think? And then it occurred to me that I, that I fundamentally, don't care what anybody <laughs> thinks of what I think. I'm going to say it that in that way, it's sort of like its own Twitter handle. It's like, I'm going to, I'm putting my thoughts out into the world and you're either going to find them interesting or not. And it goes back to why I directed theater. Yeah. It goes back to the storytelling community. You know, I'm going to tell my stories because I think they're interesting as one of the things, one of the things my third ex-wife uh, used to used to get upset with me is that I she was like you know you you don't ask enough questions when you're having a conversation with new people and I said my comment was well if they're not interesting why would I want to ask questions let me pause I'm you way right more there interest, I'm way more interesting than most people at least to me so why would I why would I just it's, shut up and listen because I'm really interesting that you say that <laughs> because I can remember when Katie. And insert soundbite here. First met, it was at um, a G-Man, G-Man tab. We were okay. doing sickest fucking stories, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah, it, just identity flip. And or identity flip, maybe that was it. Yeah. And uh, God, you remember those days? Jesus, I do, I do. Those were good days. Fucking hell, I love those shows, man. But you know, Katie's very shy at first. Like it takes yeah, a while for is. her to get comfortable and open up. Or she just get her a little drunk and she'll open wide up. But um, that's why she's got two kids. Wow. So I was watching your third ex-wife talk to my first wife and thinking, oh, my God, third ex-wife is asking a lot of questions, like to an obsessive amount. And I remember like seeing Katie's face and Katie, like she didn't look at me and give me a sign or anything, but I could just see her face. And I think what she was thinking was, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you know. Like she just like, yeah. I, 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 and I, I, 
kind of it was a weird like appreciation for like okay I dig that from like a journalist standpoint and getting to know somebody like but there's also like hey autistic kid read the social cues enough questions yeah so yeah. so you didn't ask enough questions she asked too many continue. there you go continue yeah well and, and, but you know that I think it's very interesting <laughs> I think it's very interesting and so uh, going into I'm you know it's like you know, going back to the Nick Horn- Horn- Hornsby thing is Dickens. Uh, I think Dickens is fascinating because Dickens. I love how you always get his name wrong. You always say Hornsby, like it's Bruce oh, I Hornsby. Do say it's Hornsby. Nick, Nick Hornby. It's Nick Hornby. I am sorry. Yeah. I, I don't know why I think. I don't know why I make that disconnect. It's just always. I don't know. Probably because you don't ask enough questions. Can... Like, how do I pronounce your last name? Yeah, well, I've never met either one of them, so I don't care. Well, you probably won't ask him when you do. So, you yeah, fucking exactly. asshole. This is why you get divorced, Don. This is why they divorce me or I divorce them. It's yeah. either way. Yeah. There's 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 a lack of uh, marital marital institution just does not fit with me because I a don't ask enough questions and b don't ask enough questions. So, um but going back to Nick Hornsby and uh and uh you know Horn Horner Nick Horner. Right, Nick Horner. Nick Nick Horn 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 Hornman, uh, Nick Horn-toad. French Horn, French Horn. Thank you. Um, but the Dickens, Dickens. Uh, you know, yes, there was a certain amount of vanity, but because he, the way he wrote and what he wrote for, he was right. He was writing for the word, because that's how he ate. I mean, it was like I gotta make bank. I gotta make bank, and in and his let's just be honest. In his day, you could actually write and get paid enough to eat. I mean, probably not a lot these days, man. Unless it's like Hollywood anymore. I yeah. mean, if you're an actor, if you're an actor, I'm an actor. Well, you're not in Tom Cruise territory, and and it's not because Tom Cruise is so much better than you. It's just the, the opportunity. To, he is one of those people that can make serious, serious, serious money. Most actors, I mean the vast majority of actors aren't making a living doing what they yeah. do, even if they're incredibly good at it. Arguably most, uh, even published books. I read a, I read a, a thing where books that are actually like published by real publishers, not self-published, um, that, uh, that like 5,000 books sold in a year is a big deal. And that, Nine, no, uh, I want to say it was 70% of books that were published by major houses don't even sell that. Wow. You know, and it's yeah. like, what the fuck? It's, it's, you know, it's just like, that's just a, it's a bankrupt business model. And, and, and that's why I look at sort of like the, the writing, uh, like I want to write it my way. Well, if I want to write it my way, then I'll just do it on Literate where basically I pay to write whatever I want to write. And that's okay because I still write it and it's yeah. on, it's, you know, unless it's printed in a book when the apocalypse comes and the, you know, the electrical grid goes down and the internet disappears and all that shit, including our 263 podcast, <laughs> just be gone, just be fucking gone forever. Well, but that's the thing. I mean, like, this is the thing that, that also confused me about um, Kurt Cobain so much. Like, the, to do art, it, it, how is it anything but vanity is if you succeed? Like, when, when Nirvana blew up and Cobain got to play in front of thousands of people a night instead of tens, and he hated it. Like, he hated the rock star. He hated the, the, fame, the, the fame and the celebrity. He hated all of it. But, like... 
what what did you expect like did he just want to did he just want to keep playing small clubs his entire life and not make a good living on it and not like if that's the case okay but then maybe after nevermind blows up and be like you know what we're killing our i'm walking away from this without blowing your head off you know but yeah, they did yeah, they without made, blowing your head off yeah you know they they did in utero and then they did uh yeah. the unplugged and so it's like how, how how is it not anything but vanity to some to some degree to a large degree to a large degree, I think you know. Well, it reminds like, me of my my life my, is going to live on. Like I, we talked about this in the the ape cast. To a large degree, is a record of parenthood for me. So my children yeah. will have this to go back to. Like Kalel, you know, went back to his dad and had records of that shit. Because you know my boys are Superman or something. I don't whatever. Um, well, you do give off a Marlon Brando vibe. I do. I if get you that had a white lot. Hair. Yeah. Yeah. I get that a lot. Yeah. People have, when they find out that I'm married, they're like, oh, is your wife's name Stella? It's just, it's a exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's nuts that way. Um, they call me Colonel, you know, I, it's a, it's a whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it's, what? I can't wait till you get really fat and then you'll be like, uh, oh, me either. Doc, 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 I'll just start calling you Dr. Moreau. Yeah. That's fine. Um, where the fuck was I going with this? Oh, but you know, when I die, when I'm dead and gone, my grandchildren. So when I die, God, I love when that song. I'm gone, love that there'll song. There'll be one child born in this world to carry on and to carry on. That's part of why I love that song because I the message in it is that you never you leave it. shit behind. It's a great song, but you leave shit behind, whether it's your children or their children's children, and your children's children's children, and the books I wrote that they will hopefully yeah. read and maybe sell at a book fair for me someday because they're sitting in a closet well, I mean, right it, now. Yeah, well, and you know, and that's that that that's the thing I think is fascinating. I've been because uh, one of the things that I've been doing because you know, like I said, I'm in the job search, uh, and and I don't I don't like substitute teaching very much. Um, so I find days that I, when I'm not going to substitute teach, I'll go to a bookstore, and there are actually there are more bookstores in Wichita, Kansas, than there are in all of Las Vegas. I just want to point that out. Yeah. I don't think that I, yeah, I, I, there is there is an irony to that in its own way. Well, I but, mean, it makes uh, sense. There's nothing to do in Wichita, but you know, except read. In Vegas, you're too busy fucking and smoking. I guess and, that's you know. I guess that's true. That's fair. But uh, no, it's one of the things is why, like looking at how the books are sold. What books are written? What books get published? I mean, my favorite thing is, and I love bookstores because there's mostly I love used bookstores, but uh, you know there aren't. There's only one, two used bookstores here in town, and they're not the kind of place where you can just go sit your laptop up and and just hang out. You know, they're not really coffee places. They're like closets filled with a billion books. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know that you know. So anyway, uh, like for for Christmas, you know, I didn't know what to get my sister. She's a history teacher, you know. And so I'm walking around. Uh, it's a place called uh, Watermark Books, and it's it's sort of like it's the kind of bookstore that would fit very well in Chicago, like mm-hmm. in Andersonville. I mean, it's got that yeah. kind of vibe. It's a really nice little place, uh, woman owned. Re- it's just a cool place. They do events there, which I haven't had the chance to go to, and I'm going to. Um, but uh, I'm walking around and I'm just kind of looking and all I see there's, there are two copies of this book. I mean, cause this is a tiny bookstore, so they're not buying boxes and boxes of first run books, <laughs> but basically I can't remember the title of the book, but basically it's a book 
of alternative history by way of speeches written as a flip side. So it's it's Richard Nixon's I'm not going to resign speech. Oh. That's not the one that's not the one he did, but they wrote one for these are, him. But these are like, actually written speeches. These that... are yeah, these are actually okay. speeches. It's it's Hillary Clinton's I'm your president now 2016 oh, speech. You know, it's wow. like it's stuff, it's the flip side of history. It's what history would have been. And the thing is, I know that the writer didn't write them, you know, and, and I would argue probably wrote very little of this actual book. Well, he probably edited them, and, you know, curated and edited it, it, and exactly. wrote introductions cura- and sure. It was a curation, and but it was like, fuck, I don't care if he wrote it or not. That's an interesting idea. My sister's a history teacher. I think she's going to dig this book, yeah. you know, and when she's done with it, I want to read it. You know I mean? It's like, oh, that's cool. That's really interesting. So, yeah. I, I find, again, walking around looking at the, the books, there's a whole section of Kansas writers, and Kansas writers have a very limited, there's, I mean, and it, you know, not that all Kansas writers are limited, but their their section is very limited to a very specific kind of, of writing. Um, and then they have the YA, and I, I read somewhere, uh, like this literary agent said that she'd, she'd gotten 745 uh, YA submissions, young authors submissions, because that's hot property right now. Yeah. And my argument would be, uh, if you're writing a young author's piece, it's not vanity. It's all about cashing in. It's all, it's trying to find that Netflix thing. It's trying to find that. But next that's 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 franchise. vanity to me. So I don't think that's vanity. It's like I think I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. Bi- that is vanity. Well, I think self-interest it's, is vanity. Yeah, I know. I think vanity is I'm going to write vanity is I'll write you a camp book, but I'm going to write it my way. That's vanity. Well, I just didn't want to write like a history book. Like I wanted to write. No, no, I know I get it. I I think, but I think that's vanity. It's like, I'm going to write because I'm an artist. There's an artistry that vanity comes into play with. I think if, you know, it's like when I wrote problematic movie, yeah, problematic movies of the Mm eighties, I didn't write that book. As a way to like, that wasn't a vanity book. That was a project that I thought would sell. I mean, ultimately, I wrote that book. I put that book together. It was a series of essays. I did the project. It was an actual project. It wasn't like, oh, hey, I'm just going to write about these movies. I went and I rewatched all these movies. I found them. Sometimes I had to buy them on eBay. It's like, I'm going to watch these movies, and I'm going to write this thing, and then I'm going to put it in a book. And ultimately, the book wasn't about the vanity. It was about trying to cash in because I thought, well, certainly – People will buy this book, and and but if people buy so, it, then Don Hall gets elevated to another level of of literary stature, of toilet reading. Yeah, absolutely. Which which helps you sell the next book, and that well, helps yeah, you sell no, the next book and the next book. And again, you know, but nobody nobody buys my books because I write them my way, and it's like okay, you know, I get it. That's fine. I don't really well, have a problem with it because I'm going to keep doing that because I'm not going to. I'm I'm simply not going to. I'm not Charles Dickens in that I'm writing per word so that I can make enough money to. I'll, I'll do something else for money, then I'll write because I love to write. Yeah. Um, and it's fun, and coming up with. I mean, that's what I love about the 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 Horner Hornerby Horner Horner Jag Hornerby. Horren, horrenda, Nathan Nathan that, Horn, Nathan Hornerby. Na, yeah, that's what I love about that idea. Because, like, hey, how's Charles Dickens like Prince? That's pretty much 
all of my writing in, I mean, I just wrote something for my Substack last week that was basically <laughs> reminding me, well, I was just like, I was trying to, I was trying to come up with uh, a good metaphor for how I feel about the whole pronoun gender identity thing. And I realized, oh, wait a minute. I remember when I was in Scotland in 96, my first ex-wife um, and I decided to go on a day trip. We were in Edinburgh and we decided to go on a day trip to Glasgow. We decided we didn't want to take the train. We'd rent a car. It didn't occur to me at the time that I was renting a car in a country that drives on the left side, left side, hand of the left hand side of the road everything's everything's and flipped yeah it's yeah and 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 the the drive was miserable it was not a fun drive because oh, i had so I, much fun driving in australia oh so well, much fun. i had such a hard time like concentrating to stay on the left side of the road i love that, that every time yeah. every time every time deanna would say that is the name of my first ex-wife deanna and she doesn't mind if i say her name um but uh, every time she would she would say, "Hey, oh my God, look at this beautiful thing!" I would look and suddenly find myself <laughs> on the right side of the road, and I'd, God damn it! And so I went. That's a great metaphor for how it feels trying to navigate, sort of, <laughs> the pronoun, the gender identification, the non-binary kind of stuff. It's like, okay, it. I've just I've spent my life driving on this side of the road. So if you're telling me now I got to learn to drive on that side of the road, you're going to have to give me a little bit. There's a learning curve. Cause yeah. I, I realized I was pissed off at Scottish people uh -huh. for making me drive on the left side of the road. And nobody was making me drive on the left side of the road, just the rules of their road. But I was angry at Scotland. You motherfuckers. Why do I have to do this? And I know that's unreasonable. And it makes no sense, but you got to realize that as people are relearning things that are kind of basic to their, their understanding. And so, again, here's a metaphor. Here's a connection. Let's put these things together. Everything I write is a little bit like that. So which that's I, that's yeah. what I really love about the, the Hornerbang thing. It's really good. You know, what's funny is that we started talking about Prince and spent a lot of time talking about vanity. And vanity and Prince go well together. <laughs> So there's your connection. It all comes back to Prince and Vanity. And now, Warsack of the News. Your first Warsack. Elon Musk makes surprise appearance at Dave Chappelle's stand-up show, gets booed, and says, I'm rich, bitch. I feel like this whole Elon Musk thing is just a fever dream. Like, <laughs> like, like Yakov Smirnoff, you know, like, well, this, this is clearly going to go away soon. This, this kind of thing can't last forever. This is going to fade out. There's just, there's just no way this is, he can keep this shit up. This Twitter has to implode soon. And Elon Musk has to somehow lose all his money or, or, or die or, or something, right? Like, what? What is? Like, of course he was booed, but then how many people jumped on Twitter and reported how they booed Elon Musk? 
Yeah, well, people, you know, people, well, people were putting it on Twitter, and he was having the videos removed. Yeah. And then he made the comment that ninety percent were cheering and ten percent were booing, but they were booing really loudly. And then he made some bullshit up about how there was a fight in the middle of the audience before he was introduced. I mean, it's just, it's just. Why a bad was he introduced? Bullshit. Well, I, I beat the shit out of me. Was he performing? Like, stop giving this no. guy. Special attention because well, he's the, rich. That's fuck off. I've watched the thing is I've watched the uh, it was in San Francisco. I've watched th- at least that moment. I certainly didn't see the the piece, but uh, the, you know, and, they, and with Dave Chappelle, they they make you hide your phone, but you know, like stick it in a bag. Yeah. But yeah. somebody managed to sneak their phone in, so they got a, a video of it. And this was at, apparently at the very end of the concert. Okay. Like he'd done he's done his stand up, he'd already done all his shit, he'd won everybody over, and then he introduces Elon Musk. And Elon Musk, they just won't every time he tries to open his mouth, the boos are just intense. I thought it was kinda of funny. I mean, so I, it's Dave like, Chappelle brought is, him up on stage? Yeah. Bro, brought Why? him up from backstage. I don't know. Beats the hell out of me. Cause Dave thinks it's funny. I that beats the shit out of me. I mean, I guess that's funny, but I I don't know. I I don't. I don't get it. Elon Musk is a weird dude. Who's? I don't even. I. I don't know. I. I don't do. I don't do the Twitter. I. Shut up, David. I. You know. I just let it all implode. Fuck that guy. He's a clown. Number two. Was <laughs> that for articulated speech? That was. That was very articulated. I can tell that you have written books. <laughs> I can tell that that your books are only written for vanity because you are preverbal. Oh, Number two. This California city asked where its recycling went. The answer wasn't pretty. Subhead Palo Alto, California, found that some sixty percent of its recycles recyclables got shipped abroad with little transparency as to their fate. Yeah. I am convinced that recycling is the the greatest hoax put upon America, perhaps the world that like that ever was. Like recycling doesn't work. It's we're not well, recycling we don't plastic do bottles it. It cost too much. Well, pe- and you like in in Chicago, for example, you can't recycle pizza boxes because there's cheese and food remnants on there so like there's a shitload of cardboard that can't be recycled plastic bags can't be recycled because they get gummed up in the machines so all those plastic bags that are floating out in the ocean and killing fish and turtles and shit there they are again there they are not decomposing in landfills apparently plastic bottles can't be recycled for some reason like this whole i can remember being in junior high when like the reduce reuse recycle thing was like I think it was like brand new, like 1990, 91, like recycling was a huge thing. Or maybe that was just my age when I was introduced to it. I, I, yeah, I, I think that's about right. That but I remember like right. at the same time, like we got a second, we had to get a second trash can because one was for compost and one was yeah, for trash. Yeah, I remember those days. See, what I liked was the days where there, and, and this was, I think is legit recycling and I liked it and I did it when I was a kid, um, was that if you, you, you could go get like, bottles like glass bottles mm-hmm. like pepsi bottles and stuff yeah. like that and if you and you could bring them to the store yeah and they'd give you like a nickel a bottle and then they'd send those glass and they would recycle the glass oh, bottles yeah. like you would well, that's recycling that what we do now is no we just seal it and we make people feel sort of uh virtuous it's virtuous yeah it's two virtuous garbage games well, it's it, bullshit yeah again back to when i was a kid we would we would collect, uh, my dad had us do this, me and my brothers, we would collect 
aluminum cans. We found an aluminum can on the street. We'd pick it up, bring it home. Crush it. We had, a, we had a can crusher. We stomp with your feet, whatever. And then he had a, a spare garbage can in the garage that we would fill up, and he would take it to a plant, and we would get however many you know dollars, you know, hunt, let's just say you know two hundred dollars for a big garbage can full of that shit, maybe more. I I don't know. Um, but that was a thing. And then I can remember when we were. This isn't in the camp book, but at camp as counselors, we would save all of our cans and bottles from drinking at night like down at the public access off camp property we'd put them in a bag and we would like have them in somebody's car all summer so they'd be like hot beer cans and beer bottles just reek to shit in this guy's car but then at the end of the season we would take them to the recycling because you would get 10 cents a can or a bottle and we would use that to buy kegs for the final party last night of camp before everybody split See, that's recycling I, on so many different levels. That's like three times yeah. the recycling you just did there. Yeah. That's pretty brilliant. But no, it, it, it is. I read that story and it is, that was not a surprise to me at all. Like, if there was a story that came out that was like Chicago recycling just goes to a landfill, I'd go, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a big surprise. It's a, it's yeah. a fucking, it's a, it's a hoax. That's the hoax. All right. Well, here's your next one. Authorities are urging indoor masking in major cities as the triple-demic rages. Yeah, I don't care. I, d- I don't care. Um, you don't care about the triple-demic? No, I, I don't anymore. Just, nope. I'm over it. I think I'm exhausted from it, and I'll... If they make me wear a mask, fine. If it's optional, I probably won't do it, because I'm going to forget to bring a mask with me. I'm going to forget to like, well, just go ahead right now, Dave, while you're thinking about it and go put one in your jacket and put one in your bag and, you know, stick one in your, under your wallet and your nightstand. So you take, nah, I'm going to forget. I don't. Just- See, the thing is, I never, I never, I, I won't say I never, I rarely, if ever, wear my mask, but I have a mask in my car and I have a mask in my, my, my man bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have them with me wherever I go. Just like you and I talked about this two years ago, a year ago, and I said that I would treat masks like I do sunglasses. Like, yeah. you, you know, you, you don't always need sunglasses, but when you need them, you want sunglasses. Well, I've, I've kind of got two masks, and these are the same masks that I got when I was working at the casino, and they're still <laughs> good shape. They're still fine shape, and I use them, and I wash them. If, I, if I've used one more than a couple times, then I wash it. That's fine. But I always have them, and it, it's pretty rare that I actually have to wear one but because i'm taking my dad to dialysis i took him to the dentist not too long ago that kind of stuff going into places they you could see and and pretty much my policy is if i walk in and everybody that is on staff is wearing a mask i'm going to pull my mask out and put it on that's fair i should keep one handy for that reason you know it's just it's it's just out of i mean and the thing is I know, I know, very, very, especially in Wichita, Kansas, it's very much these people have been told by their bosses, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. But you know what? A little solidarity. You know what I mean? It didn't hurt me. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I just, I, I'm just at the point, I think, where, you know, <laughs> I was going to say where Fox News was in, you know, April of 2020, but I don't think I'm that insane. I don't think you're that insane. But it's insane. just like... The we're all vaccinated. I mean, I was at a concert the other night, and you know, Katie and I came home, and it was a it was a sold out show, and it was tight. It was it was packed tightly, and 
you know, the next morning we both woke up with like little tickles in our throat. It's like, well, yeah, it's cold and flu season. We were in a, we were at the fucking Riv at a sold out show at the Riviera. So yeah, we probably got a little bug. Okay. Deal with it. Now. All right. Number four. And I'm going to ask you a question first, and then I'll get into the story. Um, is there anything about Harry or Jake that if you could change, you would? I would change who their father is. Okay. Well, okay, because uh, here's the headline. The headline is, World's First Artificial Womb Facility Let's <laughs> You Choose Baby's Characteristics from Menu. I'm going to read a little bit of it. This is the world's first artificial womb facility. It lets you choose the baby's characteristics from a new ectolife, able to grow 30,000 babies a year, is said to be based on over 50 years of groundbreaking scientific research. And you can go in, buy your baby. They will grow you a living human being based on your specifications. And you have, and there literally is a menu that you can choose from. For genetic traits. Oh, boy. I mean, this sounds a lot like, oh, what's that word? What's that word? Is it eugenics? It rhymes with eugenics. Ebonics. It's, it's spe- Ebonics. That's, this is a lot like Ebonics. Yeah, okay. This is Ebonics. This is Ebonics. Yeah. And it's terrifying. <laughs> and, you know, Katie made a comment to me not that long ago that, you know, if if we were to have another kid... Which we're probably not going to have another kid. Go to, go to Ecto Life, man. You well, can you could say, hey, I want a basketball player. Um, I want a, I want a, you know, I want a football player. I want to, I want somebody I mean, that's really good at rapping. Well, I mean, you know, somebody that's going to make some money. Well, then she can just go fuck a black guy. Then get knocked up by a black guy. We'll save the money. Not all black guys are good at basketball. Good no, at football, but if they can't play ball, they can rap. That's a fact. That is a scientific fact. Well, yeah, like, that's what Echo at, Life gives you, look the at, opportunity. Look at the rapper Ye, and he is not a good basketball player, but Ye can rap. Take that, John Beardmore. Uh, the, but no, I mean, Katie said to me, she's like, if we were to have another one, I'd probably want to do uh, IVF to make sure that we get a girl. And I said, Katie, <laughs> absolutely fuck. We're not spending that kind of, with the fertility that we have, like we're not spending that kind of money just to make a girl. Like that is, that is gross in a thousand levels. It's, it's poor financial planning. Like, no. And I think that this is a terrible thing because like, how much are these babies? I imagine this is not something that you or I no, could afford. No, these are expensive. Yeah. No, like, these this, are expensive. This yeah, is how this the is rich take over. This is like shit that Donald Trump and fucking Bezos and Musk, these fucking morons, build a, they buy a fucking army of children... And done. We're all done for. Just a fucking army of baby Elon Musk's take over the world, and the now rest the of us are done is, for. If you were gonna, if you if you had a menu, would you say on on the spectrum South African? You know, um, I, think, I mean, what what about? I'm not sure. I mean, it's like I don't think he's a bad looking guy. I think he's a little weird. But, you know, and I, maybe that's, I don't know if you can genetically, if, I mean, can you take that out in a menu and say, make him, like, not weird? I don't know if that's a menu. Yeah, item. I don't, I mean, if there was a menu, I guess I would pick, like, allergic to peanuts, but superhuman strength. See, I would say, I would say gills and webbed toes. Yeah, give me, where's the Namor option? 
That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I want wings, five, wings on his ankles. Non-binary Biden nuclear official Sam Brinton accused in second luggage heist. Now I want to. I don't know if you know about this story. All right, there is a. All right, so uh, Sam Brinton is uh, basically this is this is a non-binary. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but this is the guy that looks like somebody I would stuff in a fucking locker in 1984, but he Ooh. is not, he is non-binary. He, uh, wears dresses, has a mustache, is bald with a giant egg head. Anyway, this is a guy who, who, who his claim to fame, their claim to fame, um, was, uh, they uh, they 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 testified in front of the UN about going through this horrifying gay conversion therapy. That as as they've dug deeper into this, he became, became like world famous there for a little while. Uh, based on this, he was he was the victim of like two years of gay conversion torture, and they've discovered lately that yeah, he probably made it all up, um, which is very funny to me, but. The, the the door that opened that was he was in Minneapolis at a Minneapolis airport. He went onto a plane with no baggage. He left <laughs> with with a twelve hundred dollar bag, some sort of like designer bag. And then they said to him, they went to him and said, "Yeah, we've got video of you taking this bag." He said, "That was my bag." She, they, they said that was my bag. And the, they said, well, where's the bag? <laughs> where's the clothes in it? And basically, they found the clothes of whoever it was uh, in some pictures he had worn wearing it. She, they had, I'm not, I'm not going to do the uh, fucking, whatever. He, he, whatever. Well, so there was this sort of like, well, maybe it was, maybe it was just a mistake. Maybe he just made a mistake in the Minneapolis airport. Well, apparently in Las Vegas at Harry Reid International Airport, he he took one that had uh, like twelve hundred dollars in jewelry and stole that. So he is no longer with the Department of Energy for now. He's been suspended, and he has been charged with grand larceny. Because he stole something between the value of twelve hundred and five thousand dollars. Your thoughts on Sam Brinton, the poster child of everything wrong with woke Biden administration? I, I mean, I don't see how how their their binary or non-binary has anything to do with their kleptomania. Well, kleptomania is a strong word, but their their thievery. Um. I think that makes the story more interesting, and the pictures of of this person sure are fun. Oh God, he's just. But like, there's a picture, I, and look, man, he's fucking awful, man. He's awful. Call yourself whatever you want to be. Be nine bar- binary. Be binary. I don't give a shit. Dress however you want to do. Do whatever you want with the makeup. But I'm just gonna yeah, say, yeah. objectively, a, a bright red mustache with bright red lipstick is a. We- it's just an. It's an odd. It's just bad coloring, I think, is is the issue. So that's my advice to Sam. You know, stop, stop focusing on stealing luggage from airports, and focus on like jump on YouTube and get some makeup tutorials. Like a pink, like a pink lipstick. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Number six. This is uh, this grossed me out so much. I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> Man's problems. And his problems were that he showed up to doctors with fevers and swelling around uh, low-level fever, pain and swelling 
And uh, it, it turns out that his problems were caused by worms dancing around in his scrotum. I'm so, okay, I'm sorry. What? Back up. 26-year-old man had been suffering from a low-level fever and pain and swelling of his scrotum for around a month before he was seen in an outpatient clinic at a urology clinic in New Delhi, India. Of course it oh, was fucking India. Shocker. Of course. According to a case report in the New England Journal of Medicine, upon examination, he was found to have tenderness and swelling in the right-hand side of his scrotum. An ultrasound examination of the scrotum showed tubular channels near the right testes and tubes that connects it. And there's worms. There's fucking finding. Uh, they're basically they're worms, like, and they were kind of dancing. Ringworms? No, these were worms, worms that were. The worms, uh, the thread-like, the thread-like worms are mosquito-transmitted <gasps> nematodes oh. or roundworms of the species Wucaria bancrofti or Anne Bancroft. Anne Bancroft, yeah. The parasitic worms love to hang out in the human lymphatic system and blood channels, but they, but basically, they can live inside you for six to eight years. Oh my God! You know, I gotta <laughs> it say. Can produce Millions of little testes worms along with it. These Anne Bancroft worms are going to change the way that I watch The Graduate next time. Like, it's not going to be the same thing. Uh, no thanks, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> Look at that. Um, mosquitoes are, they're a nasty bug. Like, I think we're pretty fortunate in the United States that in most cases, mosquitoes are just annoying. But mosquitoes can kill you. They can fuck up your babies with the Zika. They can put Anne Bancroft worms in your nutsack. See, I I have this but image like, of Jeff of a young Jeff Goldblum when in New with Delhi, his shirt open, saying as mosquitoes come to attack, life uh, finds a way. Uh, so that's just. So did they get the the worms out? Yeah, they discovered it, and they and then they, they, and then did they go. Did they go fi- fishing with the with the worms? There were six things you should do this week. My first thing this week is a watch. And I think at some point we're going to have to talk more about this film because I, I got to thank Brian Beardmore for this. Brian Beardmore came over the other night and... Uh, oh, I know what you're going to say, yeah. Introduced me to this. It's a it's film called... insane. RRR, three capital letter R's. Oh, man. This this film is epic. It is epic. It's, it's it's three re- hours it's long. It is an action film. No, it's it longer a, than three hours. It's, it's like, like three hours and 30 minutes, isn't it? Oh, I'd be like, maybe, it's, yeah, maybe it's three and a half. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like he's going Eisenstein with this shit. It's long. It is. It's a, it's an action film. It's a love story. It's a it's, period piece. It's, it's so fucking It's nuts. a war story. It's a story of friendship. It is family. I mean, th- like this thing makes giant look like a, a, a Bugs Bunny short. It, it's, yeah. the, the, it, uh, I, 
it's 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 so absurd in so many ways, but it's like the perfect kind of absurd because it just it's it's a Hindi film. Yes, so, it is, and it's it is ridiculous, and it's a and musical. it's a musical. That's the other thing. That's the, it's a fucking that's musical. That's what kills me. It's got all that shit. It's sort of like this guy went. I'm only gonna, they're only gonna let me make one movie ever, <laughs> so I'm gonna make all of them at the same time because that's what this movie felt like to me. And I loved it. I agree with you, but oh my it's like, God, what the is fuck it, is going on? It is the most entertaining. It is, and even when it gets like super cheesy, because there are some like ridiculous over the top, like action CGI stuff, but you're like, no, give me more of that. Make yeah, it more fucking crazy, please. Insane. Yeah. It's an insane film. It, and there's nothing. But also it's, it's, it's as equally insane as it is like grounded in human relationships and, and sweetness and affection. Like it's it's it is very sweet. I don't know if I can say it. The, those those sweet relationships are grounded in any oh, way. Oh come on, I, the friendship between the two guys. I mean, no, I mean I get it, but it's like yeah, I don't know. I don't oh know. man, I, maybe, this, maybe it was this a cultural film. difference for me. But I was just like, all right, it just feel it felt so per- everything. Like this is what I would say. Everything about this movie is insane and wonderful, except for the acting, and the acting is horrible. Well, I think the acting might be horrible because it's, it's like overdubbed. Like there's some parts okay, that, that are like be, they they speak Hindi fair. in some parts while there's while other people are speaking English, but I think they dub over both. And then I think if you right. put on the subtitles, the translation is slightly different than what's actually being said in the English translation. It's it's kind of weird that way. R R R. Where can people find R R R? It is on Netflix, and yes, I'll tell you what, what Brian Beardmore, what Brian said to me. He's like, because we watched like the first action scene, like it opens up, and he's like, every scene, like every action scene, feels like the big finale. In like, it's like this. Every action scene feels like the final battle in Endgame. Yeah, but that's. Not the final battle. That's like the opening battle. And then there's like 17 more to come. And then the final battle is like, well, I just, I don't even know what's real anymore. Like this, this movie has changed my life. I just don't know how yet. It's it's so epic and fun. So RRR, my first thing is, uh, listen, um, based on our conversation last week, this is uh, honestly with Barry Weiss. The topic on this latest podcast is the state of the black-Jewish relationship in America, a roundtable. The roundtable includes Barry Weiss, Chloe Valdery, Brett Stevens from the New York Times, Eli Lake, and Camille Foster. And they talk about the history of these two communities in America and how, as a society, how we should respond to public figures who spew anti-Semitism. The thing I really liked about this conversation is these are five very intelligent people with very strong opinions that do not always uh, and sometimes are in diametric opposition to each other. And they have a really rich, really interesting hour and 40 minute conversation that I could not tear myself away. It was really good. Um, And so, yeah, it's honestly with Barry Weiss, the state of the black Jewish relationship in America. It was really good. All right. Super smart. My next thing is also a watch, also on Netflix. It's a stand-up special, Neil Brennan Blocks. I feel like... Um, Who is it? Say it again. Neil Brennan. 
Is and okay, th- and that's good. The show is th- th- this special is called Blocks, and what he does is he's got like on the wall behind him there are these shapes. Like there's there's a weed leaf and a gun and all this other stuff, and he like uses those as like prompts to get into his bit and like talk about him. It's just it's a you know a set piece. Um, sure. Super funny, super smart. I feel like Neil Brennan is doing the kind of stand-up that I always wanted to do, but couldn't figure out how to do it, and, and just gave up. <laughs> uh, there you go. That's fair. All right, I'll watch it. Is that on Netflix? On Netflix, yep. All right. My second thing is a read. It is in the Atlantic. Of course it's in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they might as well be a sponsor of the Apecast. Um, it is called The Obvious Answer to Homelessness. And uh, this is a really, it's a very smart piece because basically his premise is that, you know, we we want to, we want to say that homelessness comes from mental health and drug addicts and poverty. What what he really, and he makes a very good case that really uh, homelessness comes from the lack of affordable housing, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, And the way he puts it is, if you're playing a game of musical chairs... Uh, some kids are not going to get a sit down, and that's in especially in major cities. I mean, he and I had to look this up. I, he wrote it, and I looked it up. There are more homeless in Boston than there are in in Oklahoma City. Yeah, there are more homeless in California than the rest of the country combined, um, and it's because you have these sectors where it's like there's a lot of commerce there's a lot of industry going on and because there's a lot of industry there are a lot of lower level needs like uh taxi drivers and uber drivers and and housekeepers and you know fast food workers but they don't make enough money to actually live there yeah it's a pretty fascinating it's a really good article and it's it's uh i i enjoyed it and i and i agreed with it i thought it was cool nice my third thing this week is a listen. It's a podcast. Uh, Rachel Maddow. It's Rachel Maddow's latest podcast. Oh, yeah. My sister loves this. Ultra. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Ultra is the all-but-forgotten true story of good old-fashioned American extremism getting supercharged by proximity to power. Uh, it, it feels very appropriate for what we're going through now. And I think it's one of those reminders. Like, it's, it's, it's very Don Hall in that, like, look, people... It's already calm happened. down. We've already been through this. Yeah. Let's let's stand and fight because that's how we beat it back. But like, this is not the end as long as we make sure it's not the end. Yeah, it's not the end of democracy because we've been here before. And yeah, no, I I, I I've listened to the first. How many episodes are there? I don't know. I just I just heard about it the other day, so it's on my thing to do. Like, it's I, I will yeah, do it this I've week. Listened, I, it, this is for my me sister. Too. My sister went nape shit for it, and so I listened to the first two episodes. I just don't know how many. I, I think it's a limited series, so I'm I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a limited series. So I got to figure that out. Cool. Yeah. No. Ultra. I think you'll like it. It's like I said. I love good smart history. Yeah. Me too. Um, it's just good. And, and you know, I gotta say, I've listened to other Rachel Maddow podcasts, and she's not annoying at all. On the podcast, no, she's a she's great, she's a great podcast in her TV show. But yeah, 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 yeah. She's not quite so self righteous uh, when she's doing something like history. All right, and my third thing is on Netflix. It's Netflix of the Atlantic or Apple Podcast, whatever. Um, it is uh, one of my 
you know, I, I can't decide. I, 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 I just enjoy her performances. Um, I think she's super attractive, but in a weird way. But I like watching her. It is Aubrey Plaza. Mm. Um, and uh, she came out, she, and this is, she's been doing, increasingly been doing independent films. Um, she just did White Lotus, and I thought she was really good in that. But uh, this is called Emily the Criminal. Mm. And it is on Netflix. It's really surprisingly, not that I think anything about her is surprisingly good. This is just, it's basically about a woman who can't pay her fucking student loans and she gets sucked into a criminal enterprise because it's easy money. And man, it's a good fucking movie. It is a really good movie. And mm. she's really, really not not only good, it's one of the few roles I've seen Aubrey Plaza in that I actually, it's like they, they took her sort of, her her sort of natural, sort of cynical, shitty approach. Yeah. Just, you know, because she's sarcastic and kind of shitty to everybody in almost every role she plays. Um, and then said, what's beneath that? Oh, what's beneath that is an incredibly angry, violent person. It's a really good movie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And that's the that's show. That's the show. That's it. So have... Uh, I hope everything's going well for you in Chicago. Everything's uh, starting to look up for me here in Wichita. and uh, You're making waves, man. Dance. You're making shit happen. Everything is good. Start Well, like and then off mic, that was one of the things that I, I, I have to give you. I have to give you a certain amount of, of credit um, and props to you because, uh, you know, like I said, I, I kind of was depressed and shocked and freaked out for about four months in Vegas. And then I got to Wichita and I was still sort of in shock and didn't quite know how to handle myself with <laughs> with the revelations of my, my life blowing up. And then I went to Chicago for a week and stayed on your fucking couch and came back and within three weeks started really making things happen and things are starting to pop in the right direction and plans are starting to be made and jobs are starting to be offered and that's uh that's a really good thing so it's like all right so i'm i'm getting it figured out yeah yeah you are so there you go until next time rock and roll have an excellent week my friend you can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to two white guys holding court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Ape Cast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. What the fuck?